0: Look, if you have your Bible today, let's turn to Matthew 13. And it's my honor to bring the Word of God. And we are continuing. We've been talking about miracles and parables, and how miracles are signs that point to God, and how parables were stories, everyday stories, that Jesus used to wrap his spiritual truth in so that people who were present in that day. And it's amazing when you look at parables especially the one we'll look at today in Matthew. Um, When you look at the parables, even though we have advanced so much for 2,000 years and things are so different today and there's so um, so much technology that the stories that Jesus gave are things we can still relate to because we can still relate to seeds and harvest and things growing in a very natural way. So if you're in Matthew 13 today, the title of my message is Don't Uproot Your Fruit. Say, everybody say, don't uproot your fruit. Don't uproot your fruit. Just let it grow. Just let it grow. And we're going to continue this parable series probably for another couple weeks. But I mentioned in the last couple of weeks, my desire here at Christian Center Church, and if you're visiting with us, we welcome you, and we are so pleased that you're, you're visiting. We pray that you come back and get part of a family, because I believe if when we're planted in the house of God we flourish. Amen? Amen. But if you want to know what our desire as we come together weekly and teach the Word of God and become the body of Christ here at Christian Center Church is I want the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, to be realized in your family, to be realized in your kids, to be realized in our community. And Jesus was very clear that the kingdom comes in seed form and the kingdom is planted in our hearts. And the kingdom is something that's a reality that is it's planted in our hearts. We can live it out every single day because earlier in Matthew, from Matthew 13, earlier I think it's chapter 4, Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So the kingdom of heaven is a term that Jesus used many, many times in order to show a spiritual truth of what the kingdom looks like because any time that the kingdom is the word of God, Jesus' commands, Jesus' precepts, what he's wanting us to do, it comes in seed form. And as it comes in seed form, it's planted. Hopefully, we talked last week about having good soil in our hearts. And when you have good soil, you're going to get good crop. You're going to get fruit, uh, harvest from... The seed that God plants, and the, it, he said that the kingdom of heaven has come, the kingdom of heaven is near you, the kingdom of God is planted in seed form, and how many would say you want to be part of that kingdom, you want to be part of God planting something in your life, because another thing that I've been talking about the last few weeks, and just to catch up a little bit before we jump into this, we need to see our life this way, all life is spiritual, Okay. In other words, we take our lives, and oftentimes we make compartments out of it, and we say, well, this, my, this part of my life over here is work, and this part of my life over here is, is entertainment or my hobby, and this part of my life is my family, and this part of my life over here is this and that. And we take that and we separate it out. And I, wanted, I came to tell you the kingdom of heaven and Jesus bringing that kingdom to you and your family wants to be part of every single area of your life. There is no this over here and that over there. All of life is spiritual. And so when you read parables and we study miracles and things we've been studying the last few weeks, I want you to realize that you don't have to be some kind of a really super spiritual person or Christian. I hope you are. But you don't have to be that in order to see God's word come to fruition in your lives. And we're going to continue today with Matthew 13. Jesus was very clear when he talked to his people. He didn't say, I want you to become salt and light. He said, you are salt and light. Amen? Amen. There's a difference because we are already those things. Sometimes we aren't operating in kingdom principles in a certain area. If you see an area of lack in your family, if you see an area of lack in your marriage, if you see an area of lack in your life, oftentimes we can just go back and we can pinpoint where God's word needs to take root in good soil in my life. I said this uh, last week, and I'll say it again, or last Wednesday, Wednesday before last, when we're talking about spiritual gifts on Wednesday nights, I uh, encourage you to come to that and just learn what your spiritual gift is, learn how to operate in it, but I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, I'm not so much concerned about your spiritual gift as I am the fruit of God in your life. I'm, I'm not so concerned if you can speak in tongues. I want to know if you can hold your tongue. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And oftentimes we get so focused on the spectacular, we forget that the simple principles of God's Word come in seed form. And when it's planted in good soil, I have a promise for you this morning, you wear, will bear fruit in your life. So we have the kingdom planted in our heart by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is the king. Everybody say, Jesus is king. king. So a kingdom is simply this. It's a king, it's the subjects of a kingdom, and it's the territory, which we're going to talk about today, that the kingdom comes into. So if Jesus is king and you're his subject and the Holy Spirit plants the kingdom of God, we're looking for the kingdom all around us when Jesus was very clear, the kingdom of heaven is inside of your heart. So it it behooves us to look at the condition of our heart, to see what the condition of our soil is, so that we can become fruitful in the kingdom of God. The territory that any kingdom has, the the territory is the world. Everybody say the the world. So this is how a spiritual kingdom becomes reality. Now get this before I jump into Matthew 13 today. Jesus taught this. He said, your kingdom come on earth as it already is in heaven. So a kingdom becomes a physical reality when God's word and God's precepts and God's principles gets planted into the hearts of a believer, and then they begin to live that principle out, the kingdom of God begins to expand. So today let's look at Matthew 13 and the parable today. Matthew includes this parable in Matthew 13 because I think he's sandwiching it in to the parable that we talked about last week, and just to give you a synopsis, the parable we talked about last week was about the condition of the soil that the seed goes into. So the parable simply said that some of the seed went on hard ground and it couldn't take root and the birds came and ate it. Other seeds fell on rocky ground and when it started to sprout up, the heat of the day came and it ruined the seed that was planted. Others were fell on thorny ground. Everybody say thorny ground.
1: Thorny ground.
0: Fell on thorny ground in the cares and worries and anxieties of life began to choke out the word of God that was planted in that soil. And then finally it talked about good soil, that when the word of God goes into a a good-soiled heart that's been cleaned of the weeds, that's been been kept and taken care of, then it bears 30, 60, even 100-fold fruit. Look at Matthew 13 today, verse 24, as we read this parable of the wheat and the tares. The parable we talked about last week was about the soil condition, This week, it is about the wheat and the weeds. And today, again, the title of my sermon, I want you to catch this again. Don't uproot your fruit. Just let it grow. Verse 24. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed. Everyone say good seed. seed. In his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest I will say to the reapers first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn but gather the wheat into my barn. Father for these next few minutes and moments God I pray that you would help us in this moment the spirit of God that is already present in this place would begin to till up the soil of our hearts God would begin to prepare us for the to receive the word of God today God I pray for myself that you would be my helper that As always, Lord, anything said of Jason Hanks would fall by the wayside, but the Lord, anything said under the unction and anointing of your precious Holy Spirit, God, I pray today would go into the hearts of the people of God, and it would grow fruit. God, help us today to discern between good and evil. Help us today to discern between truth and error. Help us today to discern those areas of our lives where things are growing where we didn't expect them, but help us hold on to you in faith believing that, God, when we plant seed in good soil, it will bear fruit because, God, you're the God of miracles and fruitfulness. God, we honor you today, and we ask you to help us learn your word. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Say it again. Don't uproot your fruit. Don't uproot your fruit. So this man in the parable, he sows good seed into a good field, and he has servants who are doing a good work. Jesus compares this to the other parable that we learned from Luke last week. It's also found here in Matthew. I encourage you to go back and read it. But the one that we see here is because the story tells us where the weeds come from. The field was not neglected, the servants were doing exactly what they were commanded and told to do. It doesn't say anything about it being bad seed. It doesn't say anything about the soil not being good. It doesn't say anything about the workers not being diligent about going out to sow what the master and the the person who owned the land told them to do. But it was because an enemy, everybody say enemy, enemy, came along while they slept and sowed weeds into their field. So don't miss this. When was it that they started to notice the weeds in the field? If you look back at that parable and you study it out, they began to notice the weeds growing when it was almost time for the harvest to come to fruition. How many would say, I want a harvest in my life? I hope everybody in this room wants a harvest in their life. And oftentimes we think, when I start talking about blessings and fruit, One of the main things we begin to think of is finances, of course. It's like, well, yeah, I I wanted this or I wanted that, and God's going to bless. Listen, there are so many blessings that God sows into our lives that we miss all the time. If you came in this morning and you're in your right mind and you're healthy and you're breathing, you should just stop and thank God that there's been some good stuff sown into your life today. But it wasn't until the harvest began to present itself, church, that they noticed that there were weeds growing right next to the harvest. They didn't notice the weeds until the thing they had been hoping for and caring for was almost at a place of harvest. And that's just like life, isn't it? I won't talk about your life, let me talk about mine for a minute. I've sown something that I know God gave me to sow. I'm I'm obeying God. I am doing what God told me to do, and it seems like just at the moment that your dream's going to come to fruition, that something good is about to happen, that the fruit is about to be be taken. And remember, think of their thinking as he's telling this parable. Put yourself in the mindset of a first-century Jewish person. They were agricultural people. They relied on the land. They relied on planting something in the ground seeing it grow and listen what they were growing wasn't just to sell you know for for a, a hundred thousand dollars per bushel these were people that were going to feed their family on what they saw growing these were people that were going to support themselves and buy school clothes and to, to put a roof over their head. And, and to, for Jesus to tell this parable, he's simply telling them that right at the moment, in the moment in time, when everything seems like and looks like it's finally going to work out for your good and finally going to work out for your favor, and the fruitfulness is about to come, all of a sudden, we, they see, wait, we expected wheat, but I see a bunch of weeds. We expected a harvest, but right next to those are the weeds. Now, we talked last week about the four soils. Jesus gave a parable about, and Matthew, again, sandwiches this in because I believe that they, they kind of complement each other. But there was the good soil, there was the hard soil, there was the rocky soil, and then, of course, there was the thorny soil. Everybody say Thorny.
1: thorny.
0: What we see here is this. There are two different kinds of weeds talked about in two different kinds of parables. And that's what I want to talk about for the next few minutes. And really, really listen to me with your spiritual ears open. Because when Jesus is describing the parable of the soil, the condition of the soil, it's different than the condition of the the wheat and tares that he's describing. And what it tells me, there are two different kinds of weeds. Which means there are two different kinds of scheme and plan of the enemy. Don't forget that in the parable it says plainly that it is the enemy that came and sowed this into the field. I want to tell you something this morning. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you need to know that you have an enemy. You need to know that there's, there's, there's an enemy that wants to try to come and sabotage your harvest. He wants to try to sabotage your blessing. He wants to try to sabotage even your family and your kids and the things that you've been sowing into your kids. While men slept, the enemy came in and sowed something into the soil. The weeds in the parable of the the sower is called thorny weeds. Everybody say thorny. Thorny. Listen, this is what I want to teach you. In the parable of the wheat and the tares, he... When they began to see a harvest, when they began to see some hope, have you ever been in a place where you're like, man, this is finally going to work out just the way God wanted it to, to work out? This is finally my blessing. This is finally my moment. This is finally when this is going to come. And they noticed that, wait a second, we thought, and they're looking at this, and they're saying, wow, we've got a harvest. This wheat is beautiful. And then somebody maybe standing beside them said, wait. Th- what you need to understand about wheat and tares is wheat and tares look almost identical as they're growing. Wheat and tares look almost exactly the same until it's time to harvest it and see fruit come from it is when you begin to notice that, wait, that one is not like this one. And that's like life, right? It is like life. Sometimes we can't discern between what God's will is. And one of the biggest tricks of the enemy is to wrap up something he's trying to fool you into of his will and make it look like God. He's an expert at it, but... In the parable of the soils that we talked about last week, he said that if, if, if the seed falls on thorny ground, which he said what the thorny ground was, he explained it. He said the thorny ground are the cares, the anxiousness, and the worries of life. If it falls into that ground, then the cares, the anxiousness, and the worries and concerns of life begins to choke out the fruitfulness that he wants to bring from the word that he planted in your life. Now, the reason I say there's two different kind of weeds is that we're clearly expected and told that if if the cares, anxiousness, and worries of life are choking out your fruitfulness in God, and I want to tell you this morning, it will choke out your fruitfulness. Amen? Amen. Being... Worrying and being afraid of the future. In other words, this is a type of what if. Everybody say what if. what if. This type of weed that is thorny that chokes out God's fruitfulness in your life is a what if question that we come to in life, where we say, "Well, what if the economy crashes? Right? What, what if my spouse doesn't love me anymore? What if another COVID variant?" emerges and all the toilet paper runs out again. (laughs) Pastor, what about dim aliens? Are they going to invade? Right? What if? What if? What what if that friendship ends? What if? Listen to me. It's the what if type of questions that cause us to operate in a spirit of fear. And anytime you get into a spirit of fear, you're not operating in faith. And if you're not operating in faith, your seed won't grow. And God has given you the ability to control what is running through your mind on any given occasion. It says take every thought captivity to the obedience of Christ. I'll give you a little cheesy old uh, preacher quote. You can't keep birds from flying over your head but you can keep them from making a nest in your hair. Amen? Amen. You can't control what thoughts are being shot at you by the enemy to try to plant them in the seed, fertile seed of your heart and mind. But can I tell you this morning that if you want to bear fruit, you're going to have to think about what you're thinking about. Because if you don't, you're going to get into a place where everything's a concern, everything's a worry. But I came to tell some believing folk this morning that when when your life is in the hands of God, you don't have anything to worry about because He's a good God, He's a faithful God, and our God comes through. What do we have to do? Listen, we have to identify the areas that we're asking what-if questions... Because the what-if questions are ruining the fruit in your life according to the parable of the seed and sower. Not wheat and tares that we're talking about. Because when I studied this, what I began to see is Jesus giving two parables where our response is completely different in the action that we take against what the enemy is trying to sow in our life. Are you following me so far? When it falls on thorny ground, and Jesus said it's the cares, the anxiousness, and the worries... The Old English word for worry when it was first given way back, and it's kind of changed meanings over the last several hundred years, but literally the original Old English word just meant to strangle. Have you ever gotten so worried about your future that you just feel strangled? What if my, what if my, 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 you know, what, what if this person leaves me? What if... What if my health begins to go the other direction? What if, what if, what if? And listen, if you'll let him, the enemy will what if you to death, church? Has anybody else experienced that? Yes. So those are the what if weeds. But these, these what ifs that take us down the winding path of cares and worries, and they are thorny weeds suffocating the seeds of God's blessing, God's promises and the seeds that fall into a place of worry and doubt, it's not going to bear fruit, according to the Bible. These are the weeds we are called to grab and uproot. It's a good practice to think about what you're thinking about, because if your mind is constantly being strangled by the worries and concerns and cares, isn't that why Jesus told his disciples on more than one occasion, fear not. Yeah. That's what you need to hear the, the, the your Heavenly Father saying over you and to you, Fear not, child. So these are the weeds we're called to grab and uproot. But in this parable we just read, in Matthew 13, verse 24, the parable of the seed going into hard ground, rocky ground, thorny ground, and then finally good soil. Because in the parable we just read, I I want to point it out again. Good seed, evidently good soil, the place where these servants were going to plant, was good it was unexpected that they would walk up to the fruit right as it's beginning to be harvested and realize that wow there are weeds growing here too and oftentimes church and one of the keys this morning is simply not to get your eyes focused on the weeds but to keep them focused on the wheat come on somebody you got to get yourself focused on what God is doing not what you think he's not doing Because in the other parable, we are meant to take control over our thought life and over our worries and our concerns. And listen to me. I live in the real world just like you do. There are a hundred things this man right here could stand up here and worry himself sick about. But sometimes I've just got to pull up that that, that weed of worry and concern and fear and get it rooted out of my spiritual garden. Because it is choking the life. So it's the what ifs. What if this happens? And what if this one? What if... What if, my, what if my kid take, you know, takes the car and, and has an act? All those things that we sit there and worry and worry and worry about. But there's another what-if question as well, church, and it's found in the parable we just read. Because this what-if is something we're to uproot. But there is another what-if question that we can ask When we're faced with something that we don't understand, something that we don't necessarily like, something that seems like it's gone on and on and on for a long period of time. Because remember, the harvest season was a patient season for these people that he was talking to. They had to be very patient. They had to, in other words, it was a simpler time that in a lot of ways this man wishes I could go back to when things were a lot simpler. Amen? Amen. Where a handshake meant something and a, a, to giving somebody your word meant something. It meant it, it, there was a simpler time because they had seed and they, they planted it in the ground and then they had to trust God to send the rain. Amen? Amen? We live in such an automated world that we never even step foot on farms and things like that. But the what-if question that is different here is a statement that serves as a reality check. This what-if question is a statement that can proverbially adjust the mirror in your spiritual life to where you can have a whole new paradigm that you can begin to look at your life with. And there's a what-if question that doesn't have the effect of destabilizing us as the thorns do. The what-if questions of worry and anxiousness and concern about your future destabilize you. This what-if question will actually stabilize you and set you on a solid footing so that you can discern what is wheat and what is weeds. You can discern what is the will of God and what Satan's trying to distract you and try to pull your spiritual vision away with. It allows us to have a resilience in our life. Everyone say, if my fruit's going to grow, I've got to let it go. The what-if question that we see here in the parable of the wheat and the tares is what if the situation that I'm looking at, remember, they walk out to the field, they see wheat, which is what they were counting on to harvest, to feed their families, to feed themselves. They could almost taste the bread that winter, amen? They're almost like, man, this is going to be good bread with this wheat because it's growing beautifully, and and they're all out there getting ready for harvest time. The master is somewhere else because they go and see him. And they're looking at it, and right there, they see that there are tares. There are weeds that are growing up right alongside the harvest. Listen, there are times that we have to ask ourselves a what-if question that defines reality. Because when they look at the situation, their immediate reaction was what our immediate reaction is when we've been taught that if something doesn't look like God then our first reaction is to root it up. It's to tear it up. It's to tear it out. Wait, that's... And that was, I'm sure, their reaction. But can I tell you what the key is that's found in this scripture and the key for us all across this room today is they didn't do what they thought they should do. They went and asked the master what his plan was. Amen? Amen. If you want to find out how to have fruitfulness in your life, trust me, get used to asking God what the situation really is. Because oftentimes we have trouble seeing a situation for what it really is. And the what if question that we see here is so powerful and it is so profound that this isn't something that is called to be rooted up. These are those moments in life. Listen to me real quick. It's not the what if this happens and what if this happens. Here it is. And God's asked me this question before. I'm sure he's asked you this before. God just simply has told me, what if. This is the way that it's going to be. Are you hearing me? In the parable, it's very clear that he says to them, No. That if you go in and try to uproot what is wrong, you're going to ruin what I'm growing that is right. If you go in in your own self, in your own power, and try. So, in other words, at times, the best thing that we can do is to evaluate what is going on from the standpoint of this. If it's growing right next to the wheat, then I'm going to... In other words, don't uproot your fruit. Let it grow. Because oftentimes we're in there trying to uproot things, and it's causing the, the, the true harvest to be uprooted right along with it. Let me tell you a story in my life. Because I shared last week, and if you weren't here, let me give you the three-second version. I ran into a situation, and this was a couple years before this other what-if question came to me. And I had jealousy and envy in my life. I had no idea that this was operating in my life until the Holy Spirit began to reveal it. I was probably more shocked than anybody else. No, if if you have jealousy in your life, there's probably nobody shocked by it because they see it, right, Amen. They usually are like, yeah, we we know you're a jealous fool, you know. We, we know you got issues. And in that situation, what path the Holy Spirit began to put me on was uprooting that out of my life. That that was something that the enemy had come and he was trying to choke out the fruitfulness in my life. So I did the work in the Bible and got into the Bible and scriptures. I had a book called Envy in it. Impacted my life tremendously. I repented. I made it right with the person that i had been envious and jealous of. And I didn't even know that's what the root of it was. If, if, if you want to know what the root of the fruit in your life is, ask God. Amen? And he'll help you. Because how many know you pull the weed and that thing comes back the next week? Yeah, come on. It's like, how did you grow bigger after I pulled the top? Because you didn't get the root. You didn't get all the way down in there and pull that thing completely out. So skip ahead to January of 2017. And as many of you know, I've only been here six years. I was on staff at a church in Walker, Louisiana. I was the many things, but one of them was just an associate pastor on staff, you know, missions outreach and taking care of a lot of different things at the church. But I always believed and and thought God had spoken to my heart years before that this was a season in my life to focus on him, to get mentored and trained by my pastor, And then God would open up a door eventually for me to pastor a church. Now, something different about me than maybe other pastors, my resume wasn't out on 500 desks. I I didn't apply for any other church. Here's what I said to God. God, when I'm ready and you're ready and they're ready, open the door. And I waited. And I saw fruit growing in my life. I saw fruit. Again, just like these people in the parable, they are expecting fruit. They're expecting this. And I began to get a little anxious. And I began to ask what-if questions. Well, what if God never opens that door? What if what what he spoke to me so many years ago doesn't actually come to fruition? What if? And and the moment that I had this what-if question, and listen, this is a huge key to you becoming fruitful in your spiritual life is sometimes you've just got to trust God and let it grow up together. Because the what-if question, and my pastor, he walked by my office. This was right after January 1st. I think we'd just gotten back in the office. And he's trying to plan for the future, like 5, 10, 15 years from where he was. And beginning of the year is always times you think of stuff and plan, right? So he walks by my office, and he did this fairly often. he said, Jay, let's take a ride. It wasn't where we were going, never was. We just got in the truck, and we just he'd tell me about where he grew up and tell me about this fishing hole and tell me about this. And we'd find some little hole-in-the-wall Cajun restaurant there in Louisiana to eat at and laugh and talk and have a good time. And I knew this was a little bit different because I could sense that something was on his heart to ask me. So we pulled back into the church after having lunch together and talking and riding around. And I'm sitting there in the front seat of his truck, and... <coughs> He just asked me a question. He said, Jay, he said, what about the future? Well, what, and it wasn't, a, it wasn't done in a way that was trying to do anything, but just for him even just a plan for the future and to think. And, and just like in this parable, listen to me for a few minutes, just like in this parable, just like it, I sat there in that moment and I thought to myself, God, I sowed, you sowed good seed. God, I did everything that you told me to do. I've been faithful. I've been obedient. I've done everything that, that, I mean, I wasn't perfect, but I'd done everything God told me to do. And with tears in my eyes, I just looked at him in that moment, and I said what the Holy Spirit was speaking to me in that moment. And I said, what if this right here is exactly what God wants me to do for the rest of my life? and church one of the best things because this that kind of what if question has the ability to stabilize you in the in the will and the fruitfulness of God these what if questions have the ability that he's talking about thorns and things that choke out God's word they have the ability to destabilize you because it's worry and anxiousness and fear but listen one of the best thing when they went to the master and expecting him to say, yeah, get out there and uproot all of those enemies' seeds and weeds that he planted in the, in the field. Get out there and get it done. Get out there. So in that moment, the what if question for me was, what if this is exact? Listen, for some of you, you just have to stop and say, what if my marriage is like this? And I just have to keep trusting God for change. What if this is, what if I don't make any more money? What You guys didn't like that one, did you? You're like, uh oh, Pastor, I ain't receiving that today. Sometimes, church, God has to define reality for us so that we can evaluate reality versus what God's fruit is coming into your life. Sometimes we have to ask those what-if questions because they can stabilize you And they can put you on a path. In that moment when I just said, what if, and that that was my exact words in that moment, what if this is what God wants? And listen, there was such a stabilizing and a freeing moment for me in the spirit of just saying, God, I'm going to keep being faithful right here, right now in what you have in front of me. Because I know that the fruit will come if I'm patient and if I'm trusting, and if I'm keeping my eyes on you because I had to come to the place where Jesus was enough. It wasn't about a title and position. Are you hearing me? Sometimes you've got to come to the place where you identify reality because reality is going to help actually ground you in what God is doing in your life. And the enemy has a way for setting us up for this because... Sometimes we just have to have the attitude, yes, I know that's a tear and I know it's growing, but I'm going to grow anyway. Amen? Amen. I'm going to plant myself right where God planted and I'm going to bear fruit no matter what's around me and what's going on out here. I can grow fruit in here. And doesn't the enemy always have his way of deceiving us in this area? Oh, boy, he's so good at it. He deceives us and he distorts the truth. And what he, what he was doing to them, and we do this all the time, what he was doing in this situation with the servants, in my opinion, is he was trying to distract them. Everybody say distract. Yes. Can I tell you a key about your enemy that the parable mentions? Your enemy loves attention. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Your enemy loves attention. You say, how do you know that? He got kicked out of heaven because he wanted it all. That's how I know that. Yes. Am I right or wrong? Yes. And all the way back in the garden, he did the same thing. Hey, Eve, listen to me. Don't listen to God, right? And the distraction that he came and planted the tares were meant, listen to me for just a second, it was meant to get the servant's attention off of the fruitfulness and onto the problem that existed. That's what he loves to do. He's a master distractor. He's a master manipulator. He's really good at it. In Genesis, all the way back in the beginning, he says to Eve, God doesn't want you to eat that fruit because he knows when you do, you'll be just like him. Record scratch, stop for a second. They already were like him. Yes. He said, let us make man in our image. Everything God had, they had. The enemy's plan for you is to get focused on the, on the weed instead of the wheat. And he's trying to get you to get in there and to pull something up by pulling something up and reacting instead of just responding to it. He's trying to get you to uproot your fruit. Because the master says this, let it grow. Everybody say, let it grow. grow. Listen, to let it grow, sometimes you guys are going to have to let some things go. (laughs) It's as simple as I can make it. Because you're uprooting your fruit. It's when we hear those moments of the Holy Spirit just simply say, what if this is the reality? What if this is the way that it's going to be? What if, what, if, what if this is the path that I have for you? It was good seed. It was planted in good soil. It didn't fall on rocky ground. It didn't fall on thorny ground. It didn't even fall in the thorns. It was planted in good soil. And how many like me have said, and in that moment sitting in the truck and just thinking about the future. And I could have started down the what ifs, what if this happens and what if that happens and what if, what if, what? what? The Holy Spirit just settled me by saying, what if I'm in control, like I've always told you that I'm in control? Because it was two weeks later after I'd made that what if estimation and just said, God, this is where you have me forever. I'm good with it. It's two weeks later that I got the phone call to come here. Amen? You just stay faithful. Don't get focused on the weeds, keep focused on the weed. And how many times have we said we did the right thing and I was in the right place? I made the right choices. Jesus, this was good seed that I sowed. I did everything the way that you wanted. And you look around, and there's some weeds growing by the weed. There is an enemy that we have. And sometimes, church, we can't tell what's a wheat and what's a weed because it says they were distracted. Don't allow yourself to be distracted by the weeds of life. How do we get distracted by the weeds of life? Here's what we do. Boy, I wish I was born in a different family. Come on. I wish I was born in a different place. I wish, it's, it's those moments that we have where we say, God, I wish it was like this and I would wish it was like that. But listen, we need to have some people that are people of reality and people that get grounded in reality and understand that God's bigger than your reality. He's bigger than the weed. He's bigger than the difficulty. Listen, church, if you're waiting on the perfect field and you're waiting on the perfect opportunity, you'll never start that business. Listen, if you're waiting on the perfect spouse, you will never get married. Yeah. <laughs> Amen? Amen. If you're waiting, in other words, master, it's not the perfect condition. All oh, the enemy sowed those in there. What do we do? Let it grow. Just let it grow because you're going to uproot the fruit that God is doing by getting out in the flesh and tearing something up. We uproot the cares, concerns, anxiousness, and worries of life. We grab hold of those with the Spirit's help. We can begin to pull those out of our life. But when you come to certain moments in certain places where the enemy, you can tell, he's just trying to distract you with something that he sowed and trying to get your attention divided. You'll never step out. If you're waiting for a weedless situation for you to do what God's called you to do, you'll never get it. And you'll never move on. Here's what you need to do. You need to decide that God's good and you're going to learn how to grow in the midst of it. You know, again, one mistake that Eve made in the garden was just giving her attention to the enemy. You know how you defeat a bully and a pest? You ignore them. In other words, the master just saying, ignore that. Come on, you got to tell the devil sometimes, just talk to the ham, bro. Just... <laughs> My kids don't even know what that means either.
1: <laughs>
0: Church, get your attention off the weeds because it's giving glory to an enemy that hates you. Get your eyes focused on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Yes. Keep your eyes focused on his faithfulness. Keep your eyes focused on his goodness. Keep your eyes focused on the good things. Here it is. The enemy doesn't deserve your attention. He doesn't deserve it. Giving your attention to the thing you should be ignoring and ignoring the thing that should be having your attention. Do you see that that had that in the parable? They're giving their attention to the thing. The master's like, oh, ignore that. I'll take care of that later on. God always takes care of what the enemy's trying to do. Sometimes we just have to wait it out. Sometimes you just got to let it grow. Sometimes you just got to let it grow up together. And God comes through. And can I tell you something else? God is not panicked. (laughs) Do you notice that in the parable? (gasps) Weeds, tears in my field. He's like, oh, I got this, I got a plan. God always has a plan. Some of you are sitting here and so what if worried about the future of this country and the future of this worried, and we should be in a lot of respects. But can I tell you today that evil has never overcome good in its entire existence, and it's not going to start now. Amen. Never, Amen. Never, ever, ever has evil overcome good. What I love about the truth of the Bible is it's true on a macro level. And church, it's true on a micro level. He goes on to explain exactly what this parable means because he's talking about believers. He's talking about tares. He goes on and explains that. But today I'm talking about a very micro level of something I hope is very practical to your everyday life. Because we all spend a good part of our day worrying and anxious and concerned about something in the future or something that's happening in the present. And when that happens, you've got to arrest that and you've got to dig it up because it's going to cause fruit to come in your life and you're not going to want it. It's going to choke out what God, when you get to the place in this parable that they finally saw what they had been working for, when they finally began to see the fruit, to see the answer, to see what the Master had given them to plant and to see the, the fruit of it, is when the enemy comes in and he's distracting them with something that's growing because it looked the same. It looked exactly the same. We too have a field and it's called your daily life. It's where the rubber meets the road every single day of your life. And some what if questions, you just have to step back and give it an evaluation and say, what if that's just the way that it is? Again, what what if your spouse doesn't change like you've been praying they change in that moment? I want to encourage you, keep letting your fruit grow. Keep trusting God. So let me give you a a, a few truths in a very practical way. And listen for the theology and what I'm giving you about who God is. Because parables, miracles, and everything that's written is to point to this is the nature of God. Number one today is first, in the field of yours in my daily life, it wasn't Jesus who sowed the tares. Now look back this way. Look, look back up here at Pastor for just a minute. The reason I say this is important is because oftentimes you'll have well-meaning but misguided and, and ignorant of God's Word people have just come to you and say, well, I guess God just put, put some real hard difficulty on you today.
1: Yeah.
0: Can I tell you, God is never the generator of anything evil. He's not the generator of anything evil. That the enemy would ever be a part of. And that's important for us to understand theologically because we need to have a theology that says if something (coughs) bad has now come, I want you to know that God is not the generator of that. And it's important. So let's say that the field represents your daily experiences. Christ does not send evil into your life to test you. Come on. Let no one say that when he is tempted, that he's tempted by God. God does not send evil into your life. It says we are to resist the devil. Amen? It says we are to evaluate what is wheat and what is tares. We need to be alert on a daily basis to the seeds that the enemy would be trying to sow into our field because it represents the kingdom of God that is planted into the hearts of believers that is supposed to bear fruit in our lives. What's fruit for? Fruit are for other people, amen? amen. That's what the fruit he's growing in your life is for. It's for others. Second, all the seeds planted by Christ in your life are good and they will all bear fruit. Everybody say, just let it grow. grow. In there, it talks about the angels that come and they begin to root out what doesn't belong. All the seeds planted by Christ in your life are good and they will all bear fruit. Can I tell you? Not one kernel of what God has promised you, child of God, is not going to come to fruition if you can keep your eyes focused on Him. Do I have any seasoned saints in the house today? Has God been faithful? (laughs) Has God been true to His Word? Did it take a little while sometimes? Did you just have to let it grow right next to something that you didn't want to let it grow by? Yes. Yes don't uproot your fruit because God is faithful. He who called you is faithful and he will do it because God is not the originator of the weed. He's not the originator of evil. He's not the originator of that. It's a mystery that we could get deep into at some point as I teach you about theology. But that's one of the things that people get hung up on sometimes of well, if God's so good, why did this bad thing happen to somebody I know or happen in my family or why did it happen in my life at one point? We live in an evil fallen world, church. We live in a we are salt and light in a dark world. Third, tares never turn into wheat and wheat never turn into tares. You hear me today? Tares never turn into wheat and wheat never turns into tree. In other words, don't try to make something evil good. <laughs> That's the culture we live in, yeah. calling good, evil, and evil good. And I came to tell some folk this morning, according to this parable, evil never turns into good and God's too good to ever let good turn into evil. Yeah. And it's time the church begins to see what those growing right next to our fruit because it's not no so much that listen, it's not so much, that we need to get in there and root it out, but we need to pray and trust God that He sends His messengers because that's what the the Word says. He'll send His angels, which the word angel just simply means messenger. I talked last week about the most important element of your spiritual life is you hearing the still small voice of the Holy Spirit in you. Angels just mean messenger. In other words... God will send His messenger. God will allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart and to focus you on the right things. Get your eyes off of the weeds and get your focus back on the harvest and the weed. Tears never turn into weed and wheat never turns into tares. It's not the challenge that gives you the blessing. Listen to me. Because we say, Oh, Pastor, I've been through difficulties and God just blessed me through it. It's not the challenge. It's God. Yes. God blesses you. God can work all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to the purpose. So in other words, we're sitting looking at our field. We see weeds and we're praying that the weeds would turn into A wheat field, it's not going to happen. But what God does say is He will give you a word. He will show you when to be patient, when to let it grow. Don't uproot this because you're going to uproot something fruitful in your life. And it's simply a place of faith and trust in God that God can separate the wheat from the tares. He can separate your fruit from the other things in your life because He's an expert at it. Another thing I want you to know this morning and this hopefully will bless you and encourage you is you are still wheat. Amen? Amen. What I mean by that is as the wheat is harvested some of it gets dirty some of it gets bumped some of it gets bruised some of it gets lost down in the dirt and picked back up but I want to promise you every promise of God is yes and amen in Christ Jesus and if God promised it He will complete it. And He will show you what to do in any given situation, and the important part. In other words, some of you just need to take a a deep sigh of relief because somebody has wrongfully taught you through the Word of God, you better be careful because all of a sudden you're going to look like a big tear, right? Let me tell you something, honey. When you come to Christ and you put your faith and trust in Him, it is not completely on you to make it to heaven. He's a really good leader. And if he wants to protect his wheat, as the parable says, that God can see the wheat from the tares and will protect it and bring it into his house and into the barn. Amen. And we treat each other this way all the time. Because imagine being in that field and you're a wheat stalk. And you don't know what a tear is, but it looks like wheat. And listen, that tear wind begins to blow, there's some things going on and you're a wheat stalk, and that tear comes and gets in your vision, and you're like, wait, that's, 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 that's not real. That's, that's counterfeit. It's not really real. Then what? When you get your attention on that, some of you have been walking around, you're saved, you're covered in, in the blood of Jesus, and you're sanctified and on your way to heaven, but you spend most of your day believing that you're a tear because that's what the enemy's focusing you on. Listen, if you're saved, you're wheat, you're fruit, you're in the kingdom, you're on your way to heaven. God is faithful to bring you all the way to completion. And we see the tear out of the side and and half of our churches try trying to convince you on every Sunday basis, man, you're a tear. No. What God plants is true and it's good seed and good soil and you're still wheat. Fourth. Don't try to separate the wheat from the tares prematurely through human will. Um, My point is, be patient. Because through human will, we oftentimes are like, I'm going to go in there and clean this up. I'm I'm going to try to, have you ever tried to help God? (laughs) God, let me me help, let me get this. Let Let me dig into this one, Lord. Be patient in the process God has you in because you don't want to uproot your fruit. You hearing pastor today? Fifth, better yet, let the angel separate the tares from the wheat in your life. It's not really your job to separate the wheat from the tares. Trust God to send very specific messages and, and what he desires for you to do in that moment. Why? Because the angels are better at it than we are. Amen? Amen. And sixth, and i got one more, the tares are harvested first in the parable. And and I began to think about that and what I just felt impressed on my heart in a practical way. Is anybody else looking around the world and oftentimes ask yourself, why do the wicked get ahead? I mean, you just look around and you're like, man, why this world is becoming increasingly dark and wicked. Things that you see going on, listen, and we're going to take a stand against that junk. We're going to tell you the truth. Everything else go by the wayside because I want to be a wheat in God's field of fruit. But the tares, listen, the tares, listen to me for a few minutes and I'm going to quit. The tares... We let the wheat and the tares grow together. It those what if questions that God, what, okay, what if this is the reality? They had to come to their place where I'm going to have to continue to watch over this field as the tare and the wheat grow up together, and God's going to sort it out. That's trust. Mm-hmm. That's faith. Because they inadvertently were, were going to uproot the fruit God was trying to grow by trying to jump in in their own willpower and try to fix it themselves. One of the best things you could do today is just humbly bow to God and say, God, you're God and I'm not. I need your help. Show me the fruitful things. and I need your help. Show me the things that are unfruitful that I trust you. I'm not talking about cares, anxieties, and worries. You you pull those up yourself. But it says that the the tares were gathered first. And oftentimes in our spiritual lives, and I was in that place when I was sitting in the place I was in 2017 in January, because I had tears running down my face, and I looked at my pastor, and I, I just said, I don't know. I don't know why those doors have not opened for me. And that's where they were. We don't know why we're not going to be able to feed our kids this winter because what we planted isn't growing. They thought. So the tares, and imagine being a wheat in that field, and this is how we feel as believers. I want to encourage your heart today. And again, micro level, big picture level. Big picture level, we sit here as Christians that are becoming shrinking in influence and we're becoming shrinking and and even numbers. In other words, I said three years ago, there is a shaking that's going on in the church that is is showing what the wheat and the chaff are. In other words, if you're here today, it means the Holy Spirit has been speaking to your heart about get up, get into his kingdom, and bear fruit for me because he's coming back soon. Amen. Amen. And we, imagine being a wheat in that field and you see, you know the tear is growing right beside you. You know it's not real. You know it's something that needs to be burnt up and done away with. And it's growing right beside you. And oftentimes we're like, they get to go first? Why are the wicked increasing? Why does it seem like evil is winning? Why does it seem like all these things are happening? Listen, when, when you take something... I, I, I've been around enough farms. I mentioned this last week. I grew up in southern Ohio where everywhere you look was either a corn or a wheat or a soybean field. Everywhere. Mm, yes. And I, most of the time we had wheat grown behind my house. I remember that very well because I was playing with a pack of matches one day and set it on fire. Oh. <laughs> whole other sermon story right there. I grew up with three brothers and we, it surprised me, and burned burn the whole subdivision down. You know, it just, we were wild and when you, yes, I was trying to get rid of the weeds, y'all. That's why I just, hey, that would have been a good sermon illustration. Don't burn your field down. There's something good growing in it. There's the sermon. Amen. Goodbye. Missed that chance. But I noticed something about wheat stalks. I noticed this because I've picked up wheat stalks that were bound together to move them, working around my friends and being around all these farms growing up. When it's just grown by itself, listen, it breaks easy, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I give you a what if this morning? Sure. What if what we're presently seeing in our culture in society, because when you bind something together and it all gathers together, like the angels will come and gather the tares and it said bind them together, when I would be able to pick up one tare or piece of weed and break it easily, if I picked up the whole sheave of it, and this works, listen, good and evil run on the same tracks. You need to understand that. Yes. Wheat tears, same tracks, good and evil. And as it's, it goes first, because it all needs to be gathered together. Now, when something is gathered together, it looks like in that moment that it's stronger than what is growing fruitfully still in the field. Are you, can, are you picking yeah. up what yeah. I'm putting down? We look around and we say, your enemies are stronger, God. Look at what's happening in our government. Look at what they're doing to the kids in our society. Look at what. Can I tell you, God may be binding that together because he's getting ready to judge it with severity. And he's getting ready to bring the harvest into his house. And he's gathering all the rest of this because we need to trust God. It doesn't mean that we don't take a stay in church. And it doesn't mean that we don't evaluate fruit and we don't evaluate discern and all those kind of things that the Bible teaches us. But my point is, just trust that He is working for the church's behalf. He's working on your family's behalf. He's working on your behalf. You've just got to let it grow. Don't uproot your fruit. Because it may seem like it's strong now, but it's strong because it's being carried to a finality. Uh And I know this as I look around. Things cannot continue like they are. We need to have a move of God's Holy Spirit. We need to have rain fall on dry ground of seeds that have been planted of the gospel in this community, in this county. And like Leah mentioned just a little bit ago, you pray and you believe and you trust. And when you start to, in other words, what I'm warning you of is when we do start to see the harvest and the fruitfulness, and you start to see all these kids getting saved in the school, and you see them going home on fire for God to a dark a place of a family that's atheist or doesn't believe listen there are going to be some tears pop up yes. and we need to be ready to discern between good and evil we need to but here's the, the thing i want to tell you today don't uproot the fruits because you're going to in the in turn unintentionally uproot what god is growing right alongside of it yes. the nature of this world is god's fruit grows but can i tell you that the fruit that he's growing in your life and in this community and in our schools, we may not have been able to see it necessarily, but we're starting to see the first signs of harvest. And the best thing we can do is just continue to pray over the harvest. And listen to me, just ask God what's my place in it and God, I'll take it and I will begin to move forward in what you've called me to do. So church, we we all have those what if questions. And if the what if question you came in here with this morning... Is what, what if what if I don't have enough money for my future in retirement? Or what if my kids can't drive very well? Or what if what if this is going on in my life? What if this finally breaks in my house? What if what if this? And those are those, listen, it's strangling you. That anxiety and worry and fear. And when that happens, you've got to rest it and take it to the Word of God and say, God, is this what You're saying? And I'm sure He'll tell you no. Because, child, I have you in the palm of my hand. Child, your name is written on the palm of my hand. Your walls are continually before God. He constantly has you on His heart and mind for your blessing and your hope and your future. So you remind yourself to the problem and the anxiety of who your God is, and you'll defeat it every single time. And then you come to situations, and we all have, where you're not going to uproot it and God's not going to uproot it and nothing is going to change about it. You just have to let it grow and let God deal with it in his time, in his place, and in his season. Because God always has a season when he begins to gather what is, what is growing in your life that doesn't belong. He will, he will gather it up. This is macro and micro. So we can talk about our personal lives. And I want to encourage you today, we can talk about the world today. And what we see going on in it is we can see that God is, is that God's moving.
1: Yes.
0: And there are people coming and flowing into the kingdom all over this world. Just because you're not seeing it in the United States of America doesn't mean it's not happening. That's how we are as American Christians. Well, if God didn't do it here, he's not doing it anywhere. The fastest growing segment, segment of Christianity is in South America and Africa. And then skip over to the Middle East. Listen, you can't, you can't wall the Holy Spirit out amen So there's those times on a bigger scale listen to me that we have to trust God. We don't have to be necessarily free. you'll hear it preached you've surely probably heard this preached in this way. well bless God you got to show you know you got to get out there and point in their face and tell them they're a tear. You're just nothing but a tear. Listen, I've had very limited success by telling somebody, that they're not good enough to come into the kingdom the same way I came into the kingdom. I don't have to convince people they're a tear. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Amen. So quit trying to be the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. What we do is we get to present the good news of the kingdom. And the good news of the kingdom is this, not just in salvation, but in your life in general, that if you continue to sow good seeds, You continue to watch over your harvest. You continue to apply yourself to church and to the principles of the kingdom of God. I came to tell you something this morning. You might see some weeds pop pop, pop up that will get you distracted. They always do. Oh, what's this going on? What's that going on? It will distract you. It's meant to distract you. That's his whole plan and his whole point is to get you unfocused off the goodness of God in your life and in your family, and focus something over here that's wrong. Amen? Amen. And sometimes you just got to step back and ask the what if question about any area. God, what if this is just the way that it is? Because we serve a God that can change reality at the snap of a finger. So if it's your reality today, God has something for you to learn in that reality that's going to cause you to be far more fruitful than what you ever would have been otherwise. Amen? Amen. Stand with me this morning. Thank you, Jesus. And my last one was this. In the parable, the angels don't leave the wheat in the field to rot. God is faithful. God is going to bring fruit from the things and the places and areas of your life that you didn't think could be fruitful. Listen, God can cause fruit to grow in your heart and in your life. Bow your heads with me this morning. Just close your eyes and just get with the Holy Spirit right now in this moment. Alexis, if you'd come, and just softly play. I want to ask this question as I always do because I don't ever want to end a service without an invitation to just receive Christ and to receive that kingdom I've been talking about. Listen to this man this morning. If you just walked in here and you don't even know why you're here, you may be here to hear this and this alone. God loves you. God is for you, and God has a plan for your life. Now, here's the truth. You are either in the kingdom of God and his righteousness, or you are either in the kingdom of Satan and darkness. There is no in-between. Either God is our father and we serve him, or Satan is our father and we serve him. There are wheat and there are tares. There is good and there is evil. There is heaven and there is hell. The good news I have for you is you're still breathing. And you have an opportunity right now in this moment to to relinquish control of your life and submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's what salvation is. It's saying, God, I've tried this on my own and I'm getting nowhere. And I am a sinner that's separated from you because of the sin in my life. Sin separates us from God. And everybody in this room is a sinner. There are just some who have realized and come to that realization And they understand God made a way for us to be reconciled to the Father. And it's called the blood of Jesus Christ. It is His sacrifice on that cross. So I asked the question this morning. You just say, the Holy Spirit has been convicting me. He has been drawing me. He has been showing me sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. It's appointed unto man to die once and then the judgment. So we all have an appointment date in the future, and it's called the judgment seat. But you don't want to walk in there trying to rely on what you did in life. You want to walk in there knowing that your sins are covered by the blood of the Lamb. So I asked this question this morning. If there be anybody who says, man, I, Pastor, I, just, I need to get right with God. It's that simple. Would you just shoot your hand up so we can pray together this morning? Amen. Amen. Always just amazes me. The Holy Spirit is drawing people to this place. And He's drawing you here. And you're not here by accident this morning. You're here because you're about to encounter the risen Christ. Pray this together with me Dear Heavenly Father,
1: Dear Heavenly
0: Father I come to you honestly, I come to you, honestly. I, come to you I come to you openly. I admit that I am a sinner and that I need grace. I turn my back on my old life life. and reach forward for new life. life. Forgive me. me. Wash me. me. Cleanse me. me. I make you Lord of my life. life. Jesus, Jesus. I ask that you save me. me. Come into my heart. heart. Change my life. life. The old has passed away. The new, today. the new begins today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Guys, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me pray over you and bless you before you go. Uh, prayer meeting up at the school tomorrow night. I invite you to come out, and we just continue to intercede. Just in a, and we don't, like, run around. We just walk around in, in groups of two or three and just pray over our school we'll come together at the end and just join up and pray but god's moving and we want to be right there where he's moving amen Amen. father i bless christian center church today father not only the members of this congregation but also the visitors father i pray that they would be blessed as they come in and certainly blessed as they walk out father i pray your holy and precious presence will be upon them and their families and their children's children god I pray you put a hedge of protection around each one until you bring us back together at the appointed time. Father, we love, praise, and glorify your name. I pray blessings upon them. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Love you. If nobody's told you they love you today, this pastor loves you. If there's anything I can do for you, let me know. Go in the name of the Lord. Be blessed today.